people of the universe. Hi everybody, how are we doing? Welcome to this episode, this week's episode of Don't Leave the House. Off to a good start. Episode 22. Episode 22. Um, God, it's been a long week. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, our microphone's working. Good to know. Well, hope yeah. you can hear us. Hopefully the intro wasn't too bad. Sorry. I don't yeah. know what that was. <laughs> Interesting. Well, okay. I think it might be fun. Yeah, <laughs> it always is. Um, So, guys, we... So there's this new thing that just came out on Netflix. What is it called? I don't know. Killdozers. Killdozers is what it's called? Yeah. So, it's apparently about this, like bulldozer day thing or something that happened in Colorado. Apparently somebody like commandeered a bulldozer and like ran a bunch of people and stuff over. I don't really know. I don't even remember hearing about it. This happened here where we live and neither one of us recall ever hearing about this. No, I don't have any idea what it is, but I mean, we're going to watch it. Yeah. So we're very intrigued. So if you guys watch that, just know that we were here for it and we're going to watch it, too. Didn't freaking know. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to point out, so we we were listening to our other podcast that we like to listen to, don't, um, and that's why we drink. We talk about it all the time. Um, and Em did a story on the Island of Lost Dolls. And if any of you guys are Ghost Adventure fans or Zach Bagans fans. You guys need to go watch that episode for real, for real. Yes. Like, right away. Like, right when this is over. I like to watch Ghost Adventures just to, to kind of make fun of them, because I feel like they over-exaggerate so much we, of their stuff. Yeah, we make fun of Zach a lot. He's very cheesy. <laughs> I, but, I mean, I love the show. I love I love him, but I love to make fun of him. Like, yes, we love to hate him, if you will. Yes, but he that episode literally gave me goosebumps it was scary it was genuinely (laughs) creepy and we just we're not doll fans we don't like creepy dolls i plan to do a couple doll stories in the future some we were we absolutely refuse to do some because yeah no there's one like we call her ptd because we refuse to call her by her name that's how scary this one is like i'm sure if you type in ptd it'll come up you'll figure it out yeah we're not doing it yeah no Never gonna happen. I will do Harold and Robert, but PTD is a no-go. Even Annabelle. Annabelle, yeah. Even Annabelle. Just dolls are creepy, and this whole island is covered in them, and it's it's not okay. It is. And, like, there's one part where, like, they start laughing on their own. There's no batteries in this doll, you guys, and it there's no horrible. Yeah, there's no batteries, there's no motion detectors, like, there's nothing that could have made this doll just start laughing, and it... It laughed hysterically, and it was... It was not horrifying. okay. <laughs> so there's a couple uh, shows for you if you want to go watch anything if you're bored. Yeah. <laughs> not ads, by the way. <laughs> not ads. We just we're talking to you like like friends. You know, COVID. We stay at home a lot, so we've been watching a lot of TV, Netflix, Hulu, all Amazon. the things. Yes. <laughs> Thank God for streaming devices. God, Jesus, what would we do? Seriously. Also, we just started season two of Umbrella. Well. You finished I finished two. it. Me and my husband completely binged it. But the Umbrella Academy, if y'all haven't watched that, absolutely amazing. Season two just came out. I'm only on episode two, but that show's amazing. Um, all right, Netflix, are you listening? Watch it. Just saying. <laughs> um, on that note, um, 
I guess I'll just jump into my story. Do so, it. um, this story is for my brother-in-law, Travis. Um, he is the one that gave me the idea. He actually used to live in this town, like, just I think he down lived, the street, or? I want to say he lived, like, a couple blocks away from this house. Oh, okay. Something like that. I mean, it's not a very big town. It's really small. Yeah, no, that's, so, like, my, one of my first lines is talking about how small it is, and um, but he said that he had been to this house and stuff before, and it's just really creepy, and it has a creepy kind of backstory, so it is a little true crimey. I apologize. Um, really do true crime, but, I mean, people love true crime, right? Right, but, duh. Um, so, Travis, this is for you. I did my best. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff I could find on it, but I did my best. Um, so this is the- You still came up with, like, three pages, almost. Yeah, I had, like, two and a half pages, but- I mean, that's pretty good, considering a lack of information for me usually is, like, a few paragraphs. <laughs> right. Well, and so. I mean, I just, I don't think I did, like, I just couldn't find so much about, like, the paranormal side of it. Like, he, I think, was wanting, um, just because I think most of the paranormal stuff isn't really recorded because this house has been abandoned for so long, and so really it's just, like, teenagers that'll, like, sneak in there or whatever. Right. It's like a... Yeah. Yeah, so I just, I think maybe that's why I didn't get so much info, and, like, honestly, like, if he could have told me more stories and stuff, maybe that would have been helpful, but. Oh, yeah, or, like she was saying, he he still knows a lot of people out in Astoria, so. Right, so we were even thinking about if he talked to some of his old friends and maybe got, like, some stories, like, we could do that for, like, a Patreon episode or something. Um, But, um, so, here we go. Um, this is the Flavel House. Um, so we're in Astoria, Oregon. Um, so this town is spread out and separated by geographical barriers like rivers, hills, and the population of the core area of town um, was really small. I think in 1990 it says there was only like 6,000 people or something like that. So really small town. Um, the city was served by a lone high school, a single post office, and the few traffic lights in the downtown strip, um, about four blocks long, which would switch to blinking red or yellow after nightfall. So it's a teeny tiny dinky town, guys. Itty bitty little town. Um, so basically it's a town where everybody knows or knows of everyone. God, it's so complicated. Screen went black. Um, (laughs) Um, so, yeah, everybody knows or knows of everyone, and word of mouth is the primary source of spreading events and news and gossip. They like gossip. Yeah. So, honestly, this makes me think of, like, the town that we lived in. Like, yeah, everybody knows everybody. And you pay them three. Yeah. Like, just anybody in the little town. Um, so it's also one of the wettest places in the country. This is irrelevant. I just thought it was interesting. Like, there's literally only one other place in the country um that is that gets more precipitation per year than this place um and it's also the oldest town west of the rockies which i thought was interesting as well hmm, um, that is interesting yeah so it's just a really old I knew the west tiny town not the old thing hmm. yeah it said it was the oldest place west of the rockies oldest town that's pretty cool yeah and guys this house it's pretty gorgeous. but also very scary yeah like it's if it was like upkept and like redone and made to look pretty this would be such a freaking gorgeous amazing house but i'll get into it ominous looking i'll I'll get into that too because the people that lived in it didn't take care of 
It reminds me a lot of Grandma and Grandpa, now that I think about it. You'll understand. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> the home, uh, this home was built in 1901 by the second captain, um, George Flavel. Second captain, I mean, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. You really wanted to say Flamel, right? There. I really did want to say Flamel. I really, I wanted to say that the whole time I've done my research. Can you tell I'm a Potter fan? <laughs> um, anyway, so they had, so because of all the rivers and whatnot, they had what they called bar pilots, which were like, um, like the main captains of the boats that would travel these rivers because they were like really dangerous and stuff like that. So it had to take like a super experienced person to, to do like it. Navigate them. Right. Okay. Um, so he was, and when I say second captain, it's because his father was the first captain and then it was him. So it was just a long line of like these bar pilots is what they called them. Um, of the Columbia river is the river that they, um, sailed on. Okay. Um, so this house was a Queen Anne style, two and a half stories, 1100 or 11,600 square foot. That's fucking huge. Well, yeah, no, that's a I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, the house sits on the corner of a fairly large plot of land. There is a traditional, there is traditional woodwork around the interior windows, doors, windows, and staircase, all of which are. East Lake influence. Windows, doors, and windows. That's a copy and paste. So that was not my fault. I'm just <laughs> gonna point that out there. Uh, <coughs> oh, I said. <coughs> oh my god! Excuse me. Ashley's gonna die again. Seriously. Um, around the interior window. So maybe it was saying. Oh, interior windows. Interior windows, doors, and windows. Okay. So. Yeah, we're good. Okay. So What's the difference between an interior window and maybe like, like the the inside trim and the outside trim? Okay. That's the only thing I can think of. It's talking about the woodwork, so unless they have windows like between the rooms in the Or house. do you think they were like those windows that had like the X of wood like in between them maybe? So like there had to be like wood panels on the inside and the outside? I don't freaking know. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> trim were made of Douglas fern and were crafted by a master carpenter who looked like mahogany and burl rosewood. Oh, the two, two, the carpenter two look like. So <laughs> he crafted these. <laughs> I was like, wait. Looks like I, that's why I was, I finished the sentence with such a question mark. <laughs> okay. Are you describing the skin tone? I'm happening like, here. Fireplaces man, but wow, six <laughs> unique fireplace mantles within the house, um, and they feature different imported tiles from around the world, um, an elaborate handcrafted. Whoa, there's a lot. An elaborate handcrafted. Note card. Hand. Oh, Jesus. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really struggling with this paragraph. Elaborate hand carved mantle and a p 
pattern firebox designed to burn coal. The first floor features 14 foot high ceilings where the second floor ceilings sit at 12 feet high and are both embezzled with crown moldings and plastered medallions. The house also was also fitted with indoor plumbing, incredibly state-of-the-art at the time, as well as gas fuel lighting. We're talking, if this house was in, like, pristine condition today, this house is easily several million dollars. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's unique. Intricate. It's, yeah, intricate. Absolutely. It would have been freaking gorgeous. I'm just going to point that out there. Um, so... At 31, George married a 14-year-old. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I guess I was common back then. It was like... It doesn't change my thoughts about it. Yeah, this it. is like in like the mid to late 1800s, I think I said. Or it, it, the, I don't believe that in 1801. The house was built. Yes, but... Oh, I'm thinking of his other one. Anyway, um, his father is who I was thinking of. Um, He was around in... Um, so yeah, at 31, he married a 14-year-old, they had three kids, um, he had, one of his sons, um, was named Harry M. Clavel, who inherited the whole house after George had passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, Harry married twice, his first wife and daughters ended up moving to California, um, and his second wife, um, was a school teacher, and her name was Florence Sherman. Um, they had one son named Harry Sherman. What the hell is with him naming all of his sons Harry? Well, no. So George. George had a son named, son named Harry, Harry, and, and then, then Harry had a son named Harry. Oh, I thought you. Okay. Yeah, no. So we have Harry M, who married Florence, and they had a son named Harry Sherman. Okay. And a daughter named Mar- uh, Mary Louise. Okay, gotcha. Harry M. died in 1951. The, da- the dad of Harry Sherman. Gotcha. Yes. So now it's Harry Sherman and Mary Louise. Um, they never wed or had children of their own, but just lived with their mom in that house until... Now these are siblings? Yes. So Harry Sherman and Mary Louise are brother and sister, and their mother is Florence. Okay. And she was married to Harry M., Okay. Who's the dad? Okay. Okay. What a mess. Yes. <laughs> um, so they all lived together in this house until one peculiar peculiar day in nineteen ninety, which I'll come back to. Oh, um, the year I was born, I'll tell you weird shit happened. Oh yeah, he moved with them together. Yeah, that's some shit happened to your parents then. Um, so Harry S, um, so the son of Harry M, so Harry Sherman. Harry Sherman was um, so I pretty much don't talk about Harry M anymore. So, okay. so we're when I talk about, about Harry, I'm talking about, forward. yeah, the son. So he was also known as Hatchet Harry. Oh, good. So he was very angry and abusive. Um, one summer night in 1947, when Harry was 20, um, he confronted a neighboring man, Fred Fulton, with a hatchet, which is how he got his nickname. Yeah. So what happened is... Fred Fulton had heard screaming coming from the Clavel house. It was um, Florence, the mom, crying for help. 
So he ran over and broke into the house through this upstairs hall door to try to, like, save her. Mm -hmm. Um, And he then tried to... So once he got in, I guess um, Harry had, like, ran into this bedroom. And so at that point, Fred tried to, like, break into that room. And that's when Harry um, cut his arm with the hatchet. And so Harry went to trial... Obviously. Also, I'm just thinking of it and you're like, here's Johnny. Literally, <laughs> yes. Like, all I see is the shining with the freaking axe. Like, hello. <laughs> um, anyways, so um, at the trial, um, the all of the Flavels, so mom and sister, both said that um, Florence was in no danger at all, that her son had simply locked her in her room so she could concentrate on finding this key that was really important to him. Just my ass. Seriously. Anyway. Like, if <laughs> any one of my children t- tried to lock me into a room so I could think about something, go fuck so yourself. So I find something for... For them? Yeah, imagine Gemma being like, Mom, you need to go lock yourself in your room so you can find me my phone. Okay, but no. Yeah, no. Off. So, son was clearly controlling, if you couldn't tell. Um, but they're not for allowing that. Absolutely. Um, so he also said that he used the hatchet on Mr. Fulton in self defense because he didn't like the look that he had in his eyes. That's not self defense. No, that's not what that means. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, his mom and his sister said he was quote unquote surely drunk. Clearly. And so he was found not guilty because he was being charged in for assault and battery or something like that. Yeah. No, this was in 47, I think it says. Oh, okay, because last time I remember. Yeah, no, I said we were coming back to 1990. Yeah, this was in 47. So oh, he was oh, only okay. 20 at the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, the year, I was like, in 1990, he got away with saying, oh, I was just drunk? Yeah, no. Not quite. <laughs> so now we're going to jump ahead to 1983. Okay. Um, so Harry. So almost 40 years ahead. Yes. Okay. So Harry's around 40 now. Excuse he was me. 20 at the time. He was 20 and 42, so he's 41 now. Wow. We went 40 years ahead. Haha. <laughs> 60. 61. <laughs> <laughs> I can do math too, guys, really. <laughs> um, anyway, so in 83, Harry hit um, this kid, Alec Johns. He wasn't a kid. Alec Johns Josephins. Joseph, Joseph son, Joseph, Joseph son's car. <laughs> he hit this dude's car with a dog chain, um, on Irving Street one night at 10.30 p.m. Um. Like, just started going at it with this chain, or what? Like, uh, so, Alec was a 22-year-old, and he recently married, um, an Astoria resident who had left to the workers' tavern um, in Uniontown after a couple of pitchers of beer with friends, and he stopped his car in... Okay, so he he stopped his car and then found Flavelle hiding in a dark walkway near um, St. Mary, which I don't know if that's start of the... Oh, star of the sea school. So he was by a school, and... Yeah, so that's what it was. So, he stopped his car because he saw this dude, like, roaming around this school. Being creepy. Yeah, and so he demanded to know who he was so he could call the police. 
And so then he, Harry started to strike his car with the dog chain because he was traveling too fast, according to reports from him. Okay, but if he stopped his car and was yelling at the dude, he obviously wasn't driving anyway. Yeah, that doesn't, I don't fuck. this dude was crazy. Apparently so. Because then he stabbed him. Good. Yeah, so Harry stabbed Alec. The police came to um, Harry's house, but none of the family would let the police enter. So, of course not. Which, That's what police warrants are for. Exactly. Um, so a few days later, Harry ended up turning himself in, uh, which began a trial that lasted several years. He was found guilty of assault, but not guilty of attempted murder. For whatever reason. Um, that this tra- guy is lucky. That's all I gotta say. I have a lot of things to say, but I'm not going to <laughs> carry on. So that um um he should have been charged with like twenty years or so for like the assault charge. At least what the fuck. But he was just given probation. Of course he was. He's a white guy. Sorry. But <laughs> He was also a very well known of like like his family was very. He their was, name. As you say a part of the community. Yeah. From pillow to killer. Yeah. We need to make a shirt. From pillow to killer. And then we have to find one that only contains the word like that though. Yes, the Stella. I do not take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, he ended up like appealing and appealing and appealing and appealing, which I don't know what you're appealing because you got off. You got off with fucking probation. Yeah, so he just appealed and appealed and appealed. And in August of 1990, his appeals were exhausted, which would mean jail time for him. And he was already in his 60s. So at that point, his sister, Mary Louise, canceled the final restitution check. And the family completely disappeared. All three of them. Um... So, they turned up in October of 1990 when Harry was found stealing hotel towels. <laughs> yeah. One, I've done that. I'm pretty sure. At least one in my lifetime. Even by mistake. Wasn't Didn't Christine tell a story about some guy that was, like, murdering people and then got caught because he stole a pack of gum or some stupid shit? Oh, I'm sure. People do the stupidest shit. Stupidest shit. Um... So, blah, 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 hotel towels. Um, he was set for extraction or extradition when the when law enforcement discovered that he was also wanted in Oregon. Um, so he was gonna get sent back to Oregon, but then they escaped again, which don't really know how that happened. Oh yeah. Um, these police officers. Yeah. So then, in 1991, apparently the FBI was involved because they found them in Massachusetts. And Flavel was then put into the Clatsop County Jail in 1992. So he's back in the story again. Yes. Okay. So there he served um, over just over a year. And then once he got out, he completely disappeared again. Um, there was rumors saying that he did go back to Massachusetts for a while. Um, his mom died soon after his release from prison um, after being on life support for two years. So basically he got out and then they killed her off after she was pretty much already gone for two years. Yeah, I almost feel like they like just waited for him to get out and then killed her at that point. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so the siblings then returned to Oregon 
but nobody knew about it. Um, because I did see something else saying that in 1951 is when this house was first um, turned into a museum. Okay. So I don't know if, like, they moved back, like, without permission or I, I a lot of the stuff was very unclear to me and it was kind of confusing okay um because I there was also a lot of things that said like they never paid like any of their bills or taxes or oh. anything like that it's not that they didn't have the money it's just they chose not to right so for all I know they could have like lost the house and that's why they turned it into a museum and then just moved back in or I I, I don't really know but they were just a fucked up family. Yeah. Um, so Harry then actually died in 2010. So really not that long ago. Um, as far as I know, Mary Louise is still alive. I didn't see anything saying that she was gone yet. Okay. Um, so now the house, like I said, it's a museum. Um, but I believe it was around 1990 or so that people had come back to the house, um, because it was, like, kind of, I'm pretty sure it was just, like, foreclosed on, more or less, mm-hmm. and they were, like, mad hoarders. Like, for, like, over a hundred years of oh, hoarding. Lord, oh, God. Yeah. Um, so this is a quote that I found, um, it says, quote, it was the first time outsiders had been in the house since it had been abandoned in 1990. Inside, they found the reclusive Clavel family had been hoarding items for the past 100 years. They found 100-year-old newspapers, magazines, and other items in stacks against the walls and spread over the floor of the entire house, including the basement, first floor, second floor, and attic. They found garage and clutter... A dead dog in the fridge. Garbage? Did I say garage? You did. <laughs> they found garbage and clutter. A dead dog in the fridge. In the fucking fridge? I'm not okay with that. Yeah, no. Because apparently Harry was, like, obsessed with dogs and had a lot of dogs and always walked dogs and all this other stuff. And then they found a dead dog in the freezer. Or in the fridge. Oh, okay. Um, antique bicycles and other items of value. So, I literally was thinking of my grandparents. This big, beautiful house just... Around furniture. Yeah. Um, so, it's said now that the build or that the house is haunted um, with the ghosts of all of the Flamels. Um, so, it's said that voices and phantom music have been heard on the first floor, believed to be from... Um, so, Harry M. So, this Harry... Who just died, his dad had two sisters. Okay. And they were really gifted musicians. So it said that you can like hear music and stuff um, on that first floor where they used to play. Um, and then the library room is known to have um, a strand unhappy presence. And the apparition of a woman has been seen on the second floor hallway. I'm not sure if that's necessarily Florence or one of the sisters or maybe another wife. Um, it sounds like it's been in the family for a while, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's this house was built by the... I keep saying Flamel, I'm pretty sure. You do, but it's okay. We'll work past Everybody it. knows what I'm saying. <laughs> this house was just in this family for a long time, y'all. Um, <laughs> um, this one kind of creeps me out. 
Oh, so also, the woman that's seen in the second floor, she disappears when she's approached. Okay. Um, and then in the bedroom of Mrs. Flamel, a floral scent um, it could be detected when you walk in there. Um, even when nobody is around, and then... But so her scent never left the room. Yeah. Which, I feel like that happens a lot. Because that even happens, like, with us with Grandpa. Like, we'll smell his cologne and shit randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, his room, but, you know. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then this one is the one that kind of creeped me out. It was the apparition of the first Captain George Flavel, um, has been seen in his bedroom... Where he then vanishes into the floor once his cousin is seen. Which I don't like that. I don't want I don't wanna watch you sink into the floor. No, that makes me uncomfortable. Um so again, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff on like the creepy ghosty stuff, but dude is crazy, house is clearly haunted, which I don't blame them for being haunted because it seems like this whole family was just kind of Yeah, something a little off. Yeah, and I mean, if even if there wasn't necessarily a murder or something, if somebody dies in a house, your spirit can move back in, can you? And it seems yeah. like a lot of people did die in this house, so yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, Travis, there you go. There's the Flavel house. As promised, I'm doing Project Blue Book this week. Woo woo! Um, it's honestly, I it's basically like the whole history of it and how it got. Deleted. <laughs> oh no! My wall just fell down. Sorry. <laughs> oh gosh, we're gonna get a new studio soon. Yes, we have plans. And then we won't have all this. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. How did you even have this? Yes, it's it's it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> No, I'm a little stinky. Anyways. Okay. So project Blue Book. Woohoo! Was actually the third project of its kind. Okay. Um, originally named Project Saucer, Project Sign was established at the beginning of 1948. It was started by Air Force General Nathan Farragut Twinning. Can you just call him by his last name? <coughs> I don't really talk about him anymore. Okay. Sorry, guys. I don't know what's happening to us. I know. Both of us are dying. We promise we don't have COVID. No. We really were joking. We were. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, it was started by General Twinning, and with the he started it with the intention of collecting, analyzing, and distributing information about UFOs, mainly to determine if there was a national security threat. Okay. Uh, this came after an influx of reported UFO sightings that happened that year in the couple years prior. Okay. In 1949, Project Grudge took the place of Project Sign. Many of the people working under Project Sign believed that extraterrestrials were best the best explanation for some of the UFO sightings hmm. and had written the estimation of the situation. Estimation it, of the situation? Yes. Okay. That's, it was, 
I don't know why I called them that, but they did. Okay. Um, <laughs> it gave details and information that led them to the hypothesis that extraterrestrials were probably the best explanation. Okay. Uh, this ultimately led to the end of the project and the birth of... Those words? No, I wrote Project Grudge again, but Project Grudge is what I'm talking about. Oh. Oh, no, 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 no. Project Sign. The people working for Project Sign believed that extraterrestrials were... Yeah. Then it was replaced with Project Grudge. (laughs) Okay. The project was running on what was mostly a debunking directive so they were their main focus was to debunk aliens gotcha so they were trying to find any logical explanation for ufos that wasn't that right okay so the only formal report that had been taken from this particular project was released in august of 1949 it was over 600 pages long And they ultimately concluded that all UFO sightings were either natural phenomena or a misinterpretation of something natural. Okay. Like, you know, an owl. (laughs) Fucking owls, man. Although they admitted that 23% of their reports that they had analyzed could not be explained. Hmm. Towards the end of 1951, Project Grudge was dismantled. Many people believed it was not accurately analyzing data because there was more interest in debunking UFO sightings than, like, looking into them. Right. Right. Um, Many generals were dissatisfied with the way that this was handled, and they took part of dismantling the project. Okay. In March of 1952, Project Blue Book was introduced. It was headed by Captain Edward J. Ruppelt. It's R-U-P-P-E-L-T. Never know how I would say it. (laughs) (laughs) One of the high-ranking officials running this new project was General Charge Cable, or Cabell, I'm not sure which. Okay. Um... General William Garland joined the team because he believed that UFOs deserved proper investigation because he himself was a witness. Hmm. The project named... It was named Project Blue Book because it was in reference to the blue notebooks that were used for testing at certain colleges and universities. Okay. It is said that it was inspired by the high-attention... Oh, it was inspired by the high attention that they were paying to it. So, like, they were paying a lot of attention to this particular project. And it, quote, felt as though the study was as important as a college final. Oh, okay. So that's why they used college books. Right. (laughs) Because it was the time. (laughs) Um... So, Project Blue Book was upgraded by the addition of the Aerial Phenomenon Branch. Uh, Captain Rupelt was a huge part of Project Blue Book. He was a very experienced airman. He, I think he was in World War II. Okay. And he had, like, gotten honors and all that stuff. Yeah. He also had a degree in aeronautics. He's the man that coined the term unidentified flying object. Because before it was just like flying saucers or whatever. You know? Right, yeah. So he's really the one that started the UFO, UFO thing. Yeah. After his retirement from the Air Force, he wrote a book about the Air Force's study of UFOs 
and it's called The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects. So this is a military man that fully believes that aliens exist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Or at least that there's legit UFOs. Right. Yeah. Okay. So under his lead, several changes were made in the way that UFO research was handled. He changed the way that sightings were reported by making it simpler with the intention that these reportings would be taken more seriously, resulting in less ridicule of the people that were witnesses. Okay. So they weren't like, oh, you people are fucking nuts. Yeah. Well, okay. That's nice. trying to be nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He commissioned the Battelle Memorial Institute to create a questionnaire for UFO witnesses that he hoped would help provide information for statistical analysis. So the information that they really were looking for so they could, you know, try to figure out what was going on. Right. Supposedly, he took UFO analysis so seriously that if one of his staff members was too convinced in either direction, so if they believed that aliens existed or not, like, too hard, they would be removed. Hmm. Because I guess at that point they're considered biased, (laughs) so. Okay, well, I mean, at least he was really trying to... Like, do it the right way. Like, trying to perform a scientific experiment. That wasn't biased. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. I mean, he was trying his best. Right. (laughs) I'll give you that. You seem like an okay person. So, there was Blue Book officers stationed at every single Air Force base to take reports and forward them on to him. Okay. His team was one of the few that was allowed to interview witnesses without following a chain of command. So, they were allowed to go straight to the person. Okay. There was an ast- or wow. There was an astronomer. <laughs> there was an ass. <laughs> Big ol' ass. <laughs> His name was um, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. I pretty much just say Hynek from this point forward. And he comes into play a lot later on, too, so just remember him. Uh, he was the scientific consultant for Project Blue Book, as well as for Project Sign and for Project Grudge. Okay. He created the category categorization of close encounters with three different categories. There's been two more added since then, and there's now five different categories of close encounters. He wrote a book called The UFO Experience, A Scientific Experience, in 1972, and his idea was most widely publicized in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1977. Ah. By mid-1952, there have been hundreds of reported UFO sightings with only... Like, within only those couple of months. So we're, like, in July, say. From, like, January to July, there was over 100 sightings. Jesus! Reported. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So, a few radar detections had matched up with some of these sightings near a national airport in D.C., now known as the 1952 Washington, D.C. UFO incident, the Washington Flap, or the Invasion of Washington. The Washington Flap. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I don't like. I don't either. I don't like the word. I don't either. <laughs> oh, what? oh my god! I think it was Gaga the other day that was like, "Oh, you don't like the word voice? Well, how about let me touch your voice flaps?" And I was like, Ugh. "No, <laughs> never a good, never a good enough excuse to forget the word." I need to put the music on. It's fine. These sightings drove the CIA to create a panel of scientists 
This panel was headed by Dr. H.P. Robertson and was made up of physicists, meteorologists, engineers. Group Health was on the panel, and so was Dr. Heinrich. Okay. The panel got together in early 1953 to share their best evidence and research overall coming to the conclusion that the majority of UFOs could be explained away by normal objects or phenomenon, and that they should try to bring down the public interest by using a debunking campaign. Which was fucking confusing, because of all reasons they created Project Blue Book was because Project Grudge was set to debunk it. Right. And they wanted to investigate it. So now they're saying that's what they're going to do, is debunk it. So what the fuck? Yeah, so why... Start something new to do something different, only to do the same fucking thing. Exactly. Irritating. It very much irritated me. Yes, but stupid. <laughs> so they started using media, celebrities, and they even used Disney to quote ridicule the phenomenon. They also said that any civilian UFO groups should quote be watched because of their potentially great influence on mass thinking. The apparent irresponsibility and the possible use of such groups for subversive purposes should be kept in mind. What the actual fuck? Yeah. So, like, you guys were studying aliens, but if we do it, it makes us crazy? And, okay, the thing that you said that really kind of irritated me is you're going to use Disney, which means you're trying to brainwash children now? To believe that aliens are not real. And I'm wondering why they were so hell-bent on making sure that none of us believed aliens were real. See, and I'm sorry, I know you, you of all people I am an do. alien skeptic, and this research kind of frustrated me. See, and I've always believed that there was some sort of something beyond us on a different planet. I truly do believe that. Amanda does not. No, this I'm just very proves skeptical, my point. and this is really, honestly, like, I feel like the whole purpose of this was just to make us believe what they wanted. Yeah. They didn't give us any fucking evidence at all. They were just like, oh, it's not real. Watch fucking Disney. Yeah, and if you think it's real, then you're fucking crazy. Go fuck yourself. Go whole fuck yourself. Yeah, like, the whole thing is wow. Yeah. Just Uh wow. So, when Rup helped return to the Blue Book after his meeting with the panel, his crew had been cut down to two people. He was understandably frustrated and suggested that the Air Defense Command Unit be in charge of UFO sightings instead. Cases then started being taken away from Project Blue Book, reducing them to basically being a debunking group used for public relations. Wow. Rupel asked for reassignment and left the project in August of that year. Yeah, so even he's getting pissed like, no, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. Yeah, no. At the end of 1953, the Joint Army-Navy-Air Force Regulation Number 146 made it a criminal act for anyone in the military to discuss UFO reports with anyone that was unauthorized. Oh, that's not fishy. Yeah, I know. Like, At really? all. So you're going to make UFOs classified information, and you're going to expect me to believe that they're not real. Okay. Yeah, you're making okay. it very obvious that you're hiding something. Well, and okay, I have said this multiple times. 
If there truly are aliens, I don't blame the government for not telling us because... Look how we all handled COVID. Yeah, we could not handle the truth. I'm just going to point that out there. No, we would completely lose our shit as a human race. Like, But guys, do it better than this because we clearly see that you're doing you shit. Are, we, it's obvious that you're hiding shit. Yeah, you're not doing it right. Just Speaking throw of which, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I found some archived government files from Project Blue Book and... Most of them are extremely redacted. Very. A lot of so it. So obviously they're hiding something. You guys, this thing is dope that she found. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'll see if I can find it again so I can... I printed it out, but I can... I'll see if I can figure out which website I found it on. But, yeah. I mean, it's sketchy. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's fairly obvious there's something we are not being told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While Rupelt was in charge of Project Blue Book, they investigated a whole lot of UFO sightings that we're all familiar with. So, yeah. like, um... Well, you said the Barney one that we talked about was more than likely part of Project Blue Book. I yeah. mean, it was in that time frame, so I'm assuming... Yeah. Most of those big, big ones we know from back then are probably part of it. Right. Specifically, I wrote down the Flatwoods Monster, because, you know, that's what I talked about last week. Woohoo! Um... The Lubbock Lights, and also Roswell. Ah. Um, in 1954, Ch- Captain Charles Hardin took over as Project Blue Book's... He, he was the leader. Okay. Um, although they didn't really investigate very many reports, the following year, the Air Force decided that Project Blue Book didn't need to be investigating anything anymore, but trying to minimize the number of UFO sightings that were reported. Oh my god. What? It was at like 25% when Ru- What was his name? Ru- I keep wanting Ru- to say RuPaul. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you've said that. So we have Nicholas Flamel and, Ru- and RuPaul. And that is our episode title. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So yeah, it dropped down to 1%. Okay. It's from the 25. Yeah, okay. So, in 1956, Captain George T. Gregory took over, and he took it in an even further anti-UFO direction. If someone reported a UFO and described it as looking similar to something else, it was immediately classified as that. Wow. So, like, if they were like, oh, there was this weird thing in the sky, and it looked kind of like balloon-shaped, it was immediately just a balloon. Wow. So, like, that weird, like, swirly thing that you saw in the sky that one time, it was just, like, a flag flying in the wind, not moving. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. It, it, it was just a bed sheet. <laughs> <laughs> or it was a pair of pants! You know. <laughs> so, in 1958, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Day Friend became the head of Blue Book. Apparently, they just couldn't keep their shit together. Apparently, you're going through a lot of fucking, um, I know there. Yeah, they are. Like, every year, they got a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um, good job. So, when Captain Gregory took over, oh, no, wait. I already talked about him. When Lieutenant Colonel Friend took over. Friend? Yes. Hi, Friend. He tried to reverse the direction that the project was going in and take sightings more seriously again. But it was difficult because he had a severe lack of funding. Uh, They wouldn't give him the money. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. 
they attempted to get Project Blue Book passed on to another Air Force agency so it would be funded, and nobody was interested. They were like, don't care. Of course. In 1960, a civilian UFO group charged Project Blue Book with covering up UFO evidence and having a lack of scientific study in their investigations. They had a ton of public criticism, like a ton, like a ton. Mm-hmm. Like people were like, you fucking people are useless. You are lying. You are covering shit up. You are not looking into this. Like, but they're not wrong. No, they were not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people were noticing and calling them out for it, basically. Well, good. Um, in 1963, Lieutenant Colonel Friend left Project Blue Book, and he said it was pointless and they needed to discontinue it. Major Hector Quintanilla? Quintanilla. <laughs> took over for Project Blue Book in the late in late 53. Okay. The criticism only got worse under his lead. Many people were calling him incompetent and basically Project Blue Book lost all credibility that it ever had. Of course it did. There were so many reported sightings throughout the 60s, especially in 65, and the criticism only got heavier with those reports. Blue Book was becoming seen more and more as wildly inaccurate. Even the astrologist, Dr. Hynek, said that they were using shoddy science practices. In 1968, Hynek received a letter asking what Blue Book could do to improve their methods, and he said the following. So these next few things are quoted. quoted. Neither of the two missions of Blue Book, determining if UROs are... UFOs are a threat to national security and using scientific data gathered by Blue Book are being adequately executed. The staff of Blue Book, both in numbers and scientific training, is grossly inadequate. Blue Book suffers in that it is a closed system. There is virtually no scientific dialogue between Blue Book and the outside scientific world. The statistic methods employed by Blue Book are nothing less than a travesty. There have been a lack of attention to significant UFO cases and too much time spent on routine cases and peripheral public relations tasks. Concentration could be on two or three potentially significant or scientific significant cases per month instead of being spread thin over 40 to 70 cases a month. The information input to Blue Book is grossly inadequate and impossible load is placed on Blue Book by the almost consistent failure of UFO officers at their local air bases to transmit adequate information. Ah. The basic attitude and approach within Blue Book is illogical and unscientific. <laughs> Inadequate use has been made of Project Scientific Consultant Heineck himself. So he said, like, you were not using me properly. Oh, good! <laughs> Only cases that the project monitor deems worthwhile are brought to his attention. His scope of operation has been constantly thwarted. He often learns of interesting cases only a month or two after the receipt report of the blue book. So he didn't even look into most of the cases. Wow. Because they didn't bring them to him until after they had already made the report. Wow. What the fuck, bro? So you're into this. Okay. The reason why this whole thing has even started completely out the window. Oh, yeah. This whole thing has just gone straight downhill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nothing at all to do with Blue Book. Though his opinions were clearly asked of him, like, they wrote him a letter and said, what can we do to fix this? They didn't take anything he said and do anything with it. Uh, 
great. So they pretended like they cared, but they didn't. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> bro. A congressional hearing was held in 1966 following multiple sightings in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. There were no planes flying in the area at that time, and really, there was just no explanation. Ah, interesting. Woodworksman maintained that it was a flying billboard and that all UFOs could be explained. A flying billboard? I'm assuming they meant like a blimp or like one of those banner thingies. Oh, I was like, what, you mean a billboard flew off and was like blowing (laughs) in the wind? Like, bruh, no, that don't sound right. I I mean, I'm hoping that's what they meant. Jesus Christ. Following this hearing, a committee called the Condon Committee was formed. They conclusively said that there was nothing interesting or abnormal about UFOs and that even though a few cases had still not been explained, they probably never would be. So, I don't All know what of it this is. makes sense, but we don't know what this one thing is, but don't worry about that thing. Yeah, I have no idea what this is, but you're never going to know, so just leave it alone. So we're just going to ignore that, but UFOs are definitely fake. Dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> After the committee had made their final decision, it was determined that Project Blue Book would be terminated as funding was not justified. Wow. Yep. Wow. Then I just have one like little slight side story that I found interesting. In September of 1994, Sheila Widnall, who was secretary of the Air Force at the time, mm-hmm. made a major, major announcement. A study requested by New Mexico Congressman Stephen Schiff and the audit of documents that followed had been completed. This investigation located all documents that were related to the 1947 Roswell case. Oh. Many, the reason this happened was because many people were claiming that a government cover-up took place in Roswell. They were hiding the truth about the spacecraft and the inhabitants that were found in it. Oh. The audit heavily focused on the Air Force, who ultimately did not locate any hidden documents or find any evidence of a government cover-up. Records showed that the object in question was a balloon. Okay. And you're not my sister. We're not related. I don't I'm sorry, but they're fucking lying. They're fucking lying. Yeah, no. And you know me. We just, we've talked we- about this. Guys, this is week 22. You all know how I feel about aliens. Oh, no, I know. And this kind of changed my thought process. Yeah, no, I've literally (laughs) been trying to convince her that aliens exist for, like, my whole life because I truly believe that they do. And she is, nope, 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 nope. They're fucking hiding something for real. Just saying. I don't know what it is. Government, don't come for me. Please don't sue us. Hi. We're not doing anything. I'm just telling you that you're lying. I don't know what you're lying about, but you're lying. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sure more than us have told you that, so. You're lying about a lot more than just aliens, but. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Gonna have to throw that out there. Well. Oh, I can't wait for you to do Project Pegasus next. I know. Well, guys, I really think I'm gonna have a doll story for you next week, so. I haven't decided. I'm undecided. We'll see how this goes. If y'all have any suggestions, you can hit me up, though. Yes. Go email us at um, don'tleavethehousepodcast at gmail.com or you can always um, message us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter at don'tleavethehouse. Um, don'tleavethehousepodcast.com. Go check out our website. Um, please go support us on Patreon. We would really appreciate it. Yes, and also I'm look look stay tuned because I'm thinking about doing a giveaway of some sort. Yeah, we were thinking about maybe um, – t-shirt or 
something. So please go join Patreon. We need more of you. We love you. We really do, and we really appreciate it. And we all love, I mean, we love all the listeners anyways, but. Absolutely. And honestly, guys, the only reason we ask for Patreon members is so we can get a better microphone so I don't have to fight with this every week so you can hear me. Yeah, or, you know, maybe we could get two microphones so she could have one just, like, right up next to her face for. That way you can always hear me. Yeah, something. (laughs) We need to do something. So help us out, y'all. We're just looking for better quality for you guys. It's not so we can make money. We know we're not going to make money. We just want to make the podcast better. Yes, we're not greedy, we promise. Um, Well, we love you guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, please have a fantastic week and happy August. Um, Because it's ever. Oh, shit. It's Uncle Johnny's birthday. Oh, shit. Well, wasn't our your tomorrow, but my turn. Wasn't our Backstreet Boy concert supposed to be this week? I don't remember what day it was supposed to be. Screw you, COVID. Now we can't go see the Backstreet Boys. I know. Just you throw took that away all my fun this year. All of our fun. Out the window. Um. Well, guys, that's why. Don't forget. Don't, don't leave the house. house. Don't leave the house. Dude.